This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead who haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Eric Branson, and with me as always, my good friend and co-host, Joe Peterson. How's it going tonight, Joe? Pretty good, pretty good. Did you have a good. good Memorial Day weekend? Yeah, we had a very low-key Memorial Day weekend. Didn't do a whole lot, but um, nice. it's always nice to have a holiday weekend, I guess. So, uh, yeah. Kids are done with school now, so like, it's... Uh, it's kind of bizarre after going from like years of being a stay-at-home parent to not being for a while and then sure. going back to it all of a sudden. It's kind of like, how did I do this for for so long? Like, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's not like it's, it's bad. It's it's still, it's good, but yeah. So. I, I I was worried at first about like being on <laughs> sabbatical and not being not teaching during the spring semester and having you know time. And oh gosh, what's it going to be like in the fall when I'm, you have to go back to teaching? And then I remembered, oh yeah, my kids are going to be done with school at the end of this week. I'm sure by the fall, I'll be ready to go. <laughs> like, yep, get <laughs> yeah, me back to the office. Teaching's going to feel like a break, yeah. It, yeah, it could. It very well could. It's, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's crazy, so. Um, it's crazy how fast you forget, like, what it what it's like. And now I realize, like, I feel like I had, like, no time. And then I, I was doing doing a full load of credits at school and still felt like I had more free time. And now I'm like, Oh, that's why. Cause I really don't have any free time when I'm with them. So yeah. It's, and it's, it's not, and, is, and I know neither one of us are saying it as a complaint. It's just, no, it's, no, no. It's, it, it's funny because as kids get older, their needs shift. So mm-hmm. your time is being used up in all these different ways. Um, yep. So you, you know, you're not changing diapers anymore, but you're still, carting people around and all that all that other stuff that right and it. and my kids are six right now and i feel like they are actually the most time demanding that they've ever been right now like they mm-hmm. they want to do which I'm, I'm treasuring every moment of it because i know it's not going to last but they like want me to be involved in everything they're doing like they want to you know, yeah. every game they're playing everything they're you know so I, i'm good with going along with it but yeah it does suck away any any independence that you have so it like, totally does um, I did just sit down though with my son and watch the new Shazam, Fury of the Gods, oh, nice. which is on HBO. Yeah. Um, yeah, we both really liked it. It's, oh, good! It's really I've funny. Heard nothing it, but bad things about it, and I was really bummed because I really liked the first one. <laughs> I think if you liked the first one, you'll still like this one. It's it suffers from the thing that I think all sequels do, where you have like an origin story in the first movie. Mm-hmm. You know. The sequel has a tendency, not always, but has a tendency to kind of like, okay, well, now I'm not wowed by this new world you've introduced me to. So right. how do you up that? Well, they try to up it with bigger, badder villains and stuff like that, more complex story. And, and it, it it has that, but it it's cute. I think it's a fun movie for kids, especially uh, like the first one. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I do recommend it. And, and it's neat to see Helen Mirren in a role like that. That's like <laughs> yeah. the head villain. It's it's pretty funny. Yeah, she she always tends to be good in things, but yeah, I've not seen her do something quite like that before. So. Yeah, it's it's definitely out of her element. But and then Lucy Liu is in it, and I kind of feel like a bit wasted. She's not bad, but she doesn't, and she she's a main character, but just nothing. Not to bash her as a, as a performer, I've seen her in some really great stuff, and this was just like, oh, okay, like anybody could have played this role. <laughs> hmm. So. But otherwise, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. They they really go into more about what the the Shazamly, the Shazam family, like the other ones are doing, and that's pretty yeah. fun. So okay. yeah, highly recommend it. It was yeah. cute. I'm looking forward to seeing, it. I will definitely check it out at some point. So yeah. keeping up with things a little better since uh, my kids have 
kind of gotten old enough to kind of go see some of the superhero movies. So uh, we did Guardians a couple of weeks ago. I think we talked about that. And, yeah, I still um, need to see that one. It, we're we're planning on hitting the Flash here. Uh, we'll yeah, Spider Man, Spider Man this weekend. So um, yeah, oh, and they're like, I'm kind of eating up huge. all the superhero stuff. So yeah, yeah. yeah. The Sp- Spider Man is predicted to break some records. I think, especially for animated films. The pre-sale cool. tickets, yeah, I think, are I hope already so, just yeah. huge. I, I absolutely love the first one of those. It's my, my by far my favorite Spider-Man film, and, and that's, that's saying a lot because I, I do tend to like a lot of those movies. So, yeah. 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 I think the, the way the animation is done in those um, is so different than anything that we've seen done with the character before. At least yep. that specific way, and it, it fits really well. And I think focusing it, more around the, the Miles Morales storyline helps a lot, too. Yeah. I also think it's the most animation style. It's the the thing that has felt the most like a comic book coming alive that yeah. I've ever seen depicted. And they did a really good job at making that. They did, especially in the style of it. I, I actually, and I, I've mentioned this to you before, but between like the Marvel, the MCU, and the whole thing Zack Snyder and Warner Brothers has been trying to do with DC. <laughs> um, yeah. As someone who, who reads comics on in both parties, the DC ones, even with their flaws, they felt more like reading a comic, since every film was so different in style, other than like the Snyder stuff, but even that mm. first Suicide Squad, which is I don't think a very good film at all, but the style of it at least is different enough. It feels like picking up a comic and yes this is in the same world as the other comics i'm reading but this is a different artist it's a different storyteller it's a different writer and so it it feels different but it's part of the same bigger universe the mcu all kind of felt like it was and it kind of was like directed by the same person because it kind of was um at least in style so and i think that's why guardians are so good as they branch out of that yeah, I, that's always been yeah. the allure for me with those movies is they don't really feel like superhero movies. They're, you know, almost kind of like space opera in a yeah. way. Like it's yeah, a different kind of action adventure. And I think that's why I've liked those better than some of the other Marvel stuff. Not that, not that I dislike. I've never really seen a Marvel movie I didn't like or hated necessarily. But um, yeah, they certainly have their their comfort zone that you know <laughs> right kind of know what to expect going into one of those so yeah but. well speaking of going not or knowing or not knowing what you're going into uh with the movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's yeah. tonight's film um, yeah definitely one that i did not know what i was getting into because i picked kind of at random and uh yeah tonight's movie is the 2016 paul schrader film dog eat dog there was me there was diesel and there was mad dog we all did our piece at different times, and I was the last to come out. Once you are in, staying out is all but impossible. That's him. Hey, bro, look at this. This ain't no cop car. These chaps decided to throw me a welcome home party. Oh, Lord, no. oh. You gotta find him up Versace! Versace. You're gonna get us some real work, because this is no kind of lie. Forever. So what's the gig? This guy, it's got a one-year-old out in the heights. I need you to snatch him. I don't know, man. Kid's still a baby. He ain't never gonna know. If he was four or something, I'd never be doing that. He wouldn't do that. This is the game plan. Big job for us. Baby napping. Well, that don't sound so good. It's not, and I'm not saying it is. There's a gig, and there's a lot of money at the end. Run away to Hawaii. It never works out. I think it does sometimes. You just don't know about it because they run off to Hawaii and you don't ever hear from them again. You have absolutely no idea how to control your emotions. Just take our money. We won't say anything. We're going to call the police the minute he gets away. No, we are not. I didn't want justice. Am I under arrest? Just wanted what I wanted, just like everyone. Oh, you guys are so f- Oh, you scared me. <laughs> Why, am I scary? You feel like you got problems? 
then I started thinking, once you've had money, you're never 100% sure who your friends are. We are not going to go down. It's got to be samurai style. Jackie Chan. As I mentioned, directed by Paul Schrader, starring Nicolas Cage, Willem Dafoe, and um, I, ha- I have to say his name, uh, Christopher Matthew Cook, because he impressed me so much in this. Mm-hmm. He gets top billing as well. Um, yeah, this was an interesting one um, because, and I, and I guess I'll start and share my, my history yeah. with it real quick, and that is that I had never really heard of it before it came up on a random <laughs> spin of the, I'm going to plug cagewheel.com if you're a Nicolas Cage fan and just want to a random selection tool to see some of uh, some of his work. It's it's a, lo- a fun way to pick a Nicolas Cage movie. Uh, that's how I got this one, and that's how it ended up on the list. Um, I had never really heard of this, and and after I started watching it and realized what it was, I was surprised, being that you know, uh, two top name actors, uh, Nicolas Cage, and even more so Willem Dafoe. I think he's probably more of an A list star even than uh-huh. Cage is at this point. Uh, and then Paul Schrader um, directing and 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 playing a role in the film as well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, and Paul Schrader's obviously no no schlub. He's written a lot of you oh, know, yeah. classic, uh, all time classic films as well. You know, uh, Raging Bull for Scorsese, Last Temptation of Christ for Scorsese, um, and we talked about. Uh, I think only one other Paul Schrader film on this movie, and unfortunately it was Dominion, prequel to The Exorcist, yeah. uh, his, his version of Dominion, which was the superior I, yeah, prequel I to agree. The Exorcist, I, I believe, but yeah. that's, that's not saying a whole lot. But. Right, I, I do agree, though. It is, it is a, a... Sorry, that's my dog. Um, uh, yeah, but I, I agree. A, a better story, uh, for sure. My experience with this is pretty much the same as yours. You said, yeah, we're watching this movie, and I went, okay. Yeah. I, I didn't even know it existed. Yeah, this one somehow flew like totally under the radar, and that and it came out in you know 2016, so I was already kind of very aware of. It already kind of formed my Nicolas Cage fandom at that point. Like it was already a thing, so I'm um, not sure how I didn't notice this one. But anyway, yeah, it's uh. So we get you a super quick synopsis of this here and then what they have here is super quick and kind of sums up the movie but three former prisoners troy mad dog and diesel are hired to kidnap a baby and share a big ransom payment so that's uh yeah that's what i got yeah that's that's (laughs) i guess yeah it jumps to that um that's the plot of the movie and 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 i will say right off the bat not to tip my hand but the plot is probably the least interesting thing about this film um, um it, it so it's based on a novel um of the same name by Edward Bunker that was written in 1995 who he's a big crime novelist. Mm-hmm. So and a lot of his stuff has been de- uh, developed into film. So yeah, I I, I kind of want to start looking into this author now because the more I started reading about this and I read about Bunker's other work I'm like, "Oh yeah, I I like a lot of his stuff." Uh, and didn't even know it. Stuff that, yeah, yeah. that's been so adapted. The, so, yeah, I guess, I mean, that, that synopsis does really does summarize it, I guess. But you're it, right. It, it, it's so different. Um, I mean, it, it summarizes the up. plot of the movie. But, yeah, it doesn't give you much of what it's really all yeah, about. It, it, the film opens up with Willem Dafoe doing an insane amount of drugs. Uh, <laughs> yes. That's by himself in a house. Yeah, by your, watching by TV. In a house. Yep. and then getting mad at like a telemarketer or something um, yeah yeah and then he proceeds to get into a fight and murder his girlfriend and then her daughter yeah and and, and that scene that o- the opening sequence sets the tone for this movie which is very dark <laughs> and like yeah um, yeah and it also sets sets up the character of Mad Dog that Will, Willem Dafoe plays in this movie. And, uh, yeah, um, things just kind of go from there. And eventually we meet Troy and Diesel, the, uh, who did time um, at some point with Mad Dog. Uh, I think they make comments a couple times that Troy was the last one to get out, and he's kind of reorganized them to... Mm-hmm. 
kind of get accept some new jobs. They're like a lot of crime um, crime dramas. They're they're ex cons kind of down in their luck, trying to chase that one that one job that's gonna set them up for life. You know, so they can retire and, and which I live I an love this life kind of deal. And I love that uh, they even bring up how cliche that is. Yep. And and say. You know, does this actually exist? You know, we we've always heard about people that are. There's always the story about the people going after the big score that's you know going to put them on the beach or whatever. Yeah, but it doesn't ever seem to go well, and they justify it by saying, "Oh, well, you just don't hear from them because you know they're hanging out." Well, they, they don't I like worry that there's it. a discussion. Like, there's two camps. Yeah. Like Troy and Mad Dog are kind of optimistic about it. Like, yeah, people get out, and then Diesel's like, "Nah," <laughs> like you know, there is no out. There's no final score. We all just get pinched again or whatever, and and yeah, uh, which yeah. you know, and but. you mentioned it before, but Christopher Matthew Cook, who plays Diesel, um, he's actually done a couple of things with with Nick Cage, um, but he's, you know, he's not like the, the the big name star in this one. You know, it's it's Cage and Defoe, but mm-hmm. he he's no stranger. A lot of television roles, um, yeah, and, and it's a lot of. You know, I, kind of smaller roles in uh, in films, but really, really good. I definitely recognize him from something, mm-hmm. probably multiple somethings, but but this one he, he caught my eye because yeah, he holds his own with obviously two, I feel like incredibly talented actors, two of my favorites, and um, and and honestly, kind of shines as kind of the, one of the the perks of this movie, and, and a lot of that has to do with the character. I feel like, I feel like the character is yeah. a good. Um, I don't think any of these characters are necessarily likable people, but no, uh, he's a complex character, and, and Christopher Matthew Cook puts a lot into it, and I think it's very a very good performance. So um, they they get they get on a, a their first job, which is a nice kind of demonstration in the film of here's how they here's what they do here's how they work together they they yeah. go talk to. Um, Paul Schrader, who plays yeah. Greco, Greco the Greek, the Greek. Yep. Uh, who, who sets him out on a, a job. So they have to go to Vegas, right? Um, I think it's Vegas. There's like casinos yeah. and shit, so I thought it was Vegas. Is that the first? Yeah, it might the, be. The first it job. It is. And no, no, no. They're in Cleveland. I think they just go to like a casino. A casino. On okay. like the... Yeah, and that's the thing about this movie that I thought... Another thing I thought was interesting is it's it not only does it take place entirely in Cleveland, Ohio, but it's actually shot on location in Cleveland. Oh, cool. So that's an interesting... Um, not huh. somewhere you, you see a lot of movies take place. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, they, they have to go and... It's, it's kind of a shakedown type job, right? Yeah. So yep. they go, they do the gigs yeah they have to dress up like cops and shit like that um and everything goes according to plan i thought the first and i'm probably not maybe i'm not remembering it in order but i thought the first job they did was the shaking down the drug dealer in cleveland when they dressed up as yeah they dressed up as cops yeah yeah and then they they went and stole money from a drug dealer essentially they pulled over uh a black drug dealer yeah, as police officers, it's a very politically charged uh, subtext to a lot of this movie, which Paul Schrader is uh, yeah. very, you know, that the in almost all of his work, that is something that uh, there is. So yeah, their their use of of police and and um, this that scene, it's actually it, it was I was still convinced it was going to be a pretty good movie with that <laughs> at that point because uh, it seemed like there were a lot of layers of stuff going on, and that's a very um, yeah, you know, three, three uh, white cops that aren't cops shaken down. So three white criminals shaken down black criminals by posing as cops, and like it's, yeah. it's a very politically charged oh definitely situation. And then the response that it gets from like the community of people around when they figure out like, well, first of all, that these guys probably aren't cops, and um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting scene. It's probably my favorite of the uh, situations that they're put into because I think it again it's probably got like the most to say outside of the context yeah. Of the movie, it, it it also shows. I mean, it's it's kind of thrown in as an example of here's what these guys do. Like it establishes their relationship that you know um, 
Troy is kind of the brains. Yeah. Diesel is the muscle, and Mad Dog is the fucking wild card. Yeah. Because nobody funny. really likes him. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, nobody can really because he's he's unpredictable. He's obviously a bit of a wild card, you know. Um, yeah. I, I was thinking about like I, I don't remember. Do we actually review Trapped in Paradise, or do we just watch it and then not get to the review anyway? But like the yeah. Nicolas Cage movie Trapped in Paradise with uh, John Lovitz and um, anyway, yeah. Uh, essentially, it's the same premise this is just like taking place in a much more like gritty real world <laughs> <Realistic> situation <laughs> so like yeah well i i was struck by there's a lot of there's a lot of cool kind of establish establishment scenes in this that show these characters and one of my favorites is i guess on their second job where they're in the casino and they have to do something or maybe it's just after they run this i think it's yeah just after, after they one. run this because they each pretty much pick up like a woman and in some cases it's like a sex worker and it shows how each one of them are with these women mm-hmm. that they've picked up and you've got nick cage who's just full caging out he's talking about how much he loves cagney and bogart and oh, yeah he's always talking about the classic movie gangsters the, like the classic gangsters which you have to stuff. remember because of something that'll come yeah uh, and he's he's trying to kind of romanticize what he does he's asking this this prostitute that he picks up if you know she'll go to to france with him and at first she she kind of thinks he's just joking but he's like no i'm serious let's go and like he's he's trying to get there now and and she blows him off but says yeah well blow you off for 900 or 300 bucks um it cuts to diesel who's meets a woman at a bar they get a room together and then she's just talking to him. Just like the get to know you shit, and he freaks the fuck out. Because remember, yeah, these guys have all been in prison. They're really socially kind of out of it. Yeah. Um, they even make comments about emojis and shit like that that they don't understand. Um, yeah, popular music, emoji, like stuff that's, yeah. that's happened in the past 10 or 15 years that they totally just yeah. don't understand. Yeah. But Diesel kind of freaks out on this woman and gets really aggressive not physically but just mean uh to kind of show how he's unlike troy who you you can see is trying to get out of this lifestyle he even makes a comment about like we can finally go straight um Mm -hmm. diesel's kind of accepted him his role in life as as a career criminal yeah um, well, he did, yeah, he he figures there's no way out. He thinks it's inevitable he's going back to prison eventually. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then it cuts to Mad Dog with the sex worker he's hired to give him a hand job, and they're getting into an argument about how long it's taking. Yeah. So <laughs> it's very <laughs> strange. Yeah, and, and Mad Dog is a very... Um, uncomfortable character to watch and to like just everything i think you feel the same way like you would knowing somebody like this like they're just very like unpredictable you can't quite figure out what makes them tick which willem defoe's fantastic at playing characters like that (laughs) just uh uh, and i i think from an editing perspective it it was really a good idea to open the film the way they did which is a really shocking horrific mm -hmm. double homicide um with him in it because then you when he is with anybody else on the screen you're nervous as shit for the rest of the film because you yeah you know exactly what kind of he's he's the kind of guy that's going to do something like he does in the first few minutes of the film yeah get wildly still you know wildly messed up on whatever cocktail of drugs he's taking and you know murder his girlfriend and her daughter so yeah yeah it was from from how from a technical perspective, the way they put that blocking together it, for scenes was is effective in the storytelling. There really is a like lot that. of great character work here. Like you could tell, this is yeah. written by somebody who knows what they're doing, uh, and also directed by somebody who knows what they're doing. But Matthew Wilder wrote the screenplay. Uh, Paul Schrader, which is rare for him, did not write the screenplay; just directed. But um, but yeah, it's 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 very well. Um, character development it's very well put together like you were talking about that the way they juxtapose those three scenes with, mm-hmm. with the with the girls like the sex workers and the girl that diesel meets in the bar uh 
very good character development that gives you an idea of who these people are um, and how they're different from one another, uh, what their goals are, and that they have uh, you know different goals, different you know views on what they do, different. Um, that's well, all the strongest stuff about this movie, I think. Yeah, um, it shows them in these kind of vulnerable states and situations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being with a, with a partner kind of a thing. No, um, I, I was especially yeah. impressed. It's one of Christopher Matthew Cook's best scenes is that scene you described with the... Mm-hmm. Uh, because he, he does have that, like, you know, alpha... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't even... The term alpha male is loaded nowadays, but but like this like uh, you know aggressive response, but but he immediately regrets that and and is very like yeah you know. it, it it shows that he's still in a prison mentality because she's asking him basic questions like what do you do for fun what do you hang out with friends yeah. and his what answers music are, do you like, like yeah, yeah I don't I don't like music I don't like I don't hang out with my friends and. He gets agitated and, you know, screams at her with fucking 20 questions and stuff like that. And and she's like, I'm uncomfortable and I'm going to leave. And yet that's when he immediately starts backing down. But well, it's, and, it, it shows a, a reactionary. And he or, explains, uh, and finally he like breaks and says, you know, like, I'm sorry, I had a, re, you know, a bad reaction. I've been in prison for all of this time. I thought you knew that. Like, I thought yeah. we, like that was something that was established but even there it, like, even even in how he explains that she's like i didn't know you've been to prison we i just met you he's like yeah but you gave me that look yeah like yeah, yeah it's all this this kind of prison stuff so yeah i was really impressed with that and I, I i should also also mention i watched this today doing something really odd <laughs> oh, yeah. i i was i was i was doing a lot of butchering i was cutting up a lot of meat like i was mm. Yeah, cutting up that's... a dry age loin, and so I've got like a huge knife, and I'm cutting through meat while I'm watching this movie, which I think had an influence. Like I felt like I was a side character, like off camera the whole time in this yeah. gritty crime thing. And then there's Joe just chopping the fucking meat, you know. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just kind of. I'm sure it had an impact on on my experience with this film. Yeah, but yeah, that scene in particular was was notable um that that and and just how it how it continues to explore these characters and i do think this film is more of like a character study yeah and it has moments of really succeeding at that i think maybe it it, by the time we get to the end of it maybe it it's not a perfect character study like it i feel it's like it's got some holes even in that aspect but um but yeah it's got it's got some great moments and i especially think the first even up to half of the film is is fairly strong, and then it starts to fall apart. Well, the 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 next job they're sent on is uncomfortable right away. Yeah, the one so, that's mentioned in the the synopsis. In the synopsis, to, yeah. yeah, they kidnap a, another like lower a lower rung gangster of some sort um, who's not paying his debts. Who is described as being a little crazy and kind of gone off the rails? Either he's got a drug addiction or something. Yeah. Um, they're hired to to go and kidnap the the guy's like one year old son. Yeah, like and, he's really young. Yeah. Which that was an interesting scene because Paul Schrader plays you know the you know Greco, mm-hmm. the Greek, and there is it Troy. Yeah, it's Nick Cage. It's Troy's kind of arguing with him a little bit about it, like not gonna go kidnap a child I'm not gonna fuck up yeah. a kid and he's like nah it's like a baby baby won't even notice like it, it, it it's yeah. not aware yeah. um it's like, won't even remember like <laughs> yeah which was kind of a weird justification but yeah it's enough to sell him on it also and, and, not and the, true the, i don't think but no not <laughs> at all um and the price tag so i'm thinking something like five hundred thousand or some shit like that yeah it was gonna be the the big score this like was they gonna were be talking the big about score. yeah yep and so they they go under the pretense that the guy that they're trying to get money from isn't going to be in the house. In fact, it's just pretty much going to be the nanny. So mm-hmm. they can go in and out and they'll be done. And they'll return the kid when he pays up and everything will be fine. Nobody's going to get hurt. Well, in, in like a little short scene right before that, you see the guy that they're trying to get money from on the phone. is like, oh yeah, I'm going to go back to the house. Yep. So when they're standing in the nursery, he walks in, 
he, he thinks, thinks he's got the jump on him. He thinks his baby mama or whatever is cheating on him, I think, is what he's yeah. trying to... Yeah, it's this whole other, like, little subplot. Like, he's gonna go back and catch her in the act or whatever. Like, man. And immediately upon entering the room, Willem Dafoe blows his head off with a shotgun. <laughs> yeah. Not realizing it's the guy. Like, it's, it's the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which was... I don't know. I, I did think this had you mentioned uh you know trapped in paradise i kept thinking raising arizona at this point yeah yeah <laughs> that <know>? too yep <laughs> like a nick cage film where he's kidnapping somebody's baby um yeah well that's yeah seen yep. that before but now they fucked up right they've they've killed the guy that this whole thing was you know designed to yeah the guy who was gonna pay the ransom yeah yeah and they even say, like, ransoms don't work. This is a bad idea, but they go through with it anyway. And that's really what sets off the chain of incidents that takes them the second half of the film. Yeah. Yeah, so... They're... They kind of... They split up, and... Diesel and Mad Dog grab the body of the dude... Uh-huh. And they're going to take it to a secret place that Mad Dog says, oh, I got the perfect place. It's a little bit of a drive, but no one will ever find this, these bodies. Um, and so he and yeah. Diesel load the body up. They're going to drive out to wherever it is. I don't know. Um, they have a name. I don't, I don't remember what it is. but It's like a warehouse, though, right? Yeah, two hours away from Cleveland. So wherever, <laughs> you know, whatever direction they're driving. But um, And... While they're driving, Mad Dog kind of just, it is like manic kind of rambling way that he communicates, starts talking about, well, talking about how he's got this thing he wants to get tell, tell Diesel and are, are they good friends and finally, you know, comes off and confesses that he in fact, like this is actually, they stop at a strip club. I forgot about the, yeah, the scene yeah. was actually in a, in a strip club, but, um, which you have to, which has to be like you know, there has to be a big scene at a strip club in every movie like this, but uh, yeah, he confesses to to Diesel, who he is kind of gives this whole confession, like I've always considered you like a, a, a friend, and I want to be like a good friend and all this stuff, and then then spills his yeah. guts about how he, he murdered the his girlfriend and, and and the kid, and. From the moment like that happens, I you could see Diesel's just like not comfortable with this guy anymore. Yeah, and like, like he never liked like, him, okay, but now I really don't like him. Let's get this shit over with. But at the same time, he's like, we're in the middle of doing a job, so he's like, he's a he's a professional about it. He says the right things, and they they go yeah. through. They uh, make their way to. He finds out this place that he's taking the bodies as they're driving there is actually the place, or he's taking the body is actually the place that that mad dog had taken these other two bodies yeah and so he gets even more uncomfortable <laughs> and i feel like it's, it's communicated fairly well in the movie like because you're starting to feel that as the viewer like you know in this situation and mad dog's going through and he does he just doesn't stop talking for like 20 minutes it's a really it's a it's a good performance from yeah. Willem Dafoe but like just keeps going about how you know oh yeah I'm turning over a new leaf and all this stuff and he just while they're doing all this stuff they're pulling up to the warehouse he's getting inside and they're dragging this body in and up the stairs to this and, and Willem Dafoe's like, being like suspicious as hell oh yeah like just like giving you the he kind of gives you the creeps like from yeah he this character literally always gives you the creeps, but after the strip club scene when they get back into the car and start heading further in, like you really start to feel uncomfortable in this yeah. situation. Uh, and I'm not sure what he was up to, but yeah, uh, you don't find out. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So the the. Uh, what is it, the platform or whatever where he's putting the bodies onto, when they pull the bodies up there and get onto it, it collapses. And they're rolling around with, like, these decomposing corpses that um, Willem Dafoe had left there in a pretty pretty kind of gross scene. (laughs) And, uh... Yeah. Yeah. Then, uh... Diesel lets him have it. (laughs) Like, I think that's, like, the final, the last straw with the... 
Yeah. And so he, but, he calls Troy and tells him, yeah, Mad Dog's gone. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> yeah. And they meet up, and they realize they've fucked up. Troy talks to Greco, who tells him, yeah, they, you, you made a huge mistake. Um, and people are going to yeah. be looking for us. People are going to be pissed off for a while. Hopefully they'll get over it, but I don't know. This, this could be bad. But he's, I don't get the impression that he's setting them up for anything then. No, I, I feel like Greco is playing them fairly straight. Like, yeah. He's just telling them, like, whoa, you guys fucked up. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. it's not like <laughs> yeah. a... There's there's no scene like you'd see in a Scorsese film like where it'd be like, he gets off the phone and be like, all right, go kill him, you know, and sends a couple yeah. of guys with no necks. Yeah, and, and, and I don't think anybody out. really sends any guys. They're planning on trying to have a meet with, you know, the other group of people they were work I don't know like I, I don't know yeah. all the ins and outs of like the gangs necessarily there's there's some details that are not clear there but like yeah there's this yeah. other guy who had hired them to do this job and they're gonna go and try to meet with him and make things you know smooth things over and in the midst of all that um yeah Diesel's, grocery uh, shopping <laughs> yeah I'm trying, I was just trying to think why they're a grocery shop. I remember it's in a grocery store. Um, I'm sure there's a reason. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, Diesel's doing some grocery shopping and uh, has a, a has a gun tucked in his back uh, waistband and is seen by store security um, mm. that he's carrying, uh, which is not illegal in Ohio. Yeah, they, they call the police and the police are like, well... Uh, did he do anything? Yeah, and he's like, "Well, he's acting suspicious," which I'm not sure that's true. But, um, but I think yeah. you know if if you call the police and say there's somebody here, I see they have a gun and they're making me uncomfortable. The police have to kind of yeah. at least go yeah. check it out. So two cops show up. One officer goes in to like just let me go take a look around, and the other officer's outside. But then she notices Nick Cage or Troy sitting in his car. And gets suspicious, I think, because the car was flagged or something like that. Yeah, it was... Why did she run the plates? Anyway, they ran the plates and it was something like, I don't know, speeding. Tickets not paid or something, I don't know. Yeah, so she goes over and talks to him. And, and right away, you can tell he's he's going to do something to this officer because of the mm-hmm. way that he's, he's just kind of acting. And she's asking for his ID and... He ends up just trying to beat her up, like punch her repeatedly. Yeah. Um, and just then, Diesel walks out, and the other officer walks out, and they kind of exchange glances, see what's going on. And now you have a shootout going on in the middle of a grocery store parking lot. Yep. Yeah, so he uh, he walks out and it's essentially sees there a, there's a struggle between Nick Cage and... Uh, Troy and uh, this other officer and just blows the officer away so uh, so at this point now we're (laughs) now we've upped the ante for these characters quite a bit so at this point the the movie kind of turns into um, a fun you know free-for-all session of Grand Theft Auto yeah yep they take off in the car well no diesel uh, Nick Cage or Troy takes off in the car yeah diesel's at the grocery store still um, but he gets a does he get arrested? No, no, no. Yeah, I know. I remember now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, ends up in another in the the cop car. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. that's he, what he I went. This car. is becoming Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it goes. It, this whole thing goes off the rails quite a bit. Uh, Diesel ends up in the cop car. They chase him down and he crashes. Um, yeah, and I think that's the end of him. And then uh, Nick Cage is arrested eventually and um because he was responsible for assaulting an officer that ended in her death he's uh, given the cop killer treatment so taken out back essentially and uh drug attached to the back of the car and drug mm-hmm. and dur- as this is happening as he kind of loses consciousness we get like kind of where where i was coming to with like Probably the most bizarre ending I've ever seen to a movie like this, and I it kind of yeah. 
I haven't been able to figure out since I watched it whether it's it's a you know it trying to make the movie try to like put a like deep kind of like epilogue onto the film or whatever the hell is going on with uh, with the ending of this movie. But it definitely is a weird ending that takes a big time like left turn into yeah almost like surrealistic because it it goes into this kind of fantasy it uh, it does and i don't know maybe i read into it too much or or i or not but i think it's interesting how each of these guys kind of goes out Mm -hmm. right because what what happens with troy there with with cage at the end he pretty much carjacks this old couple that are leaving a diner this is elderly couple that yeah we're just out for kind dinner. of an old school train car kind of diner like yep. yeah art like deco style exactly yeah. and he carjacks them and he's the the guy is a minister and so like there's this wholesome aspect like they use that to kind of show this is just a nice old couple Mm-hmm. And he carjacks him, and he's in the back of the car, and all of a sudden he starts talking like James Cagney and Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, I, I think from the from the second we see Troy in this fantasy, like this whatever this mm-hmm. is, like at post him getting arrested and dragged, he's this Cagney version of yeah, he's doing yeah. he's doing James Cagney, which is which is amusing seeing Nicolas Cage do that. Um, I, I kind of wished I'm like maybe he should have been this character the whole time, but yeah, right. <laughs> but. But he's telling him, like, yeah, just take me where I want to go and you'll be fine, see? Like, shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's bizarre after the very realistic and gritty movie that, that we've yeah. gotten that you all of a sudden get this very surreal, kind of overplayed and epilogue. Yeah, and but, he gets, you know, they get they get up the road a bit and there's a barricade and it's a, you know, he, essentially it's suicide by police officer because he goes out and he fires and they take him out but of course the old couple are killed in the crossfire yeah which after he promises them they won't be harmed yeah they won't be harmed so if you going to like the initial like here's each of these characters in the beginning where you've got uh troy who's this kind of nostalgic very you know stylish in you know what type of characters he likes how he views himself he pictures himself as a, as a crim- classic gangster he does like, yeah and mad dog is ridden with guilt for not being able to control his own emotions because they even make that comment like he can't mm-hmm. control his emotions um and uh, and then diesel who knows he's just like i'm done this is my future eventually i'm just going to get taken out yeah. and they all kind of go out in a way like i think with Willem Dafoe's character being killed after collapsing into a, a vat or whatever you want to call it, a pit with the, <laughs> yeah. the people that he's murdered, and then he gets killed there. That's kind of appropriate. Mm-hmm. Diesel getting killed in a cop car is appropriate, and Troy goes out like James Cagney. Yep. I mean, in some kind of a like, yeah, classic, classic screen. Uh film noir 1940s gangster picture ending <laughs> like even right down to like the the diner and the the fog and like it's just well, very it, dreamlike it kind of, and it, it's it shows these three kind of archetypes for gangster characters you've got the one who romanticizes it you know think henry hill from goodfellas yep right yep the one who's like the career criminal and they know it Again, Goodfellas, you could take that as, uh, you know, Robert De Niro's character. And mm-hmm. then you've got the one that's just a fuck-up. Oh, yeah. And, yep. you know, that'd be Joe Pesci or something like that. But <laughs> you know, you, you've got this this kind of trio of criminal archetypes. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was it was an interesting character study in crime-type crime, crime type characters. Uh, how it works on screen, though... Yeah, I don't know. I have some issues with it. Just its watchability as a movie because it's kind of all over the place. Um, yeah, not not to start reviewing it early, but it the endings like the ending sequence is just an example of something that that might work in context of of the scene itself, but when played as an epilogue to the movie you've just watched, it seems very 
out of place. I do think it works for, like, it works for the character. Like, this is totally Troy's fantasy. Like, you know, if he was, if Troy the character was to pick the way he was going to go out, this is how he was going out, you know? That, right. That's, yeah. So, uh, it, it fits in that way, and it, it, it makes, it's an interesting movie with interesting characters, but just doesn't really have to be, like, a story to tell, and I think that's going to be its its weakness. Yeah. Like, one, one of the things I liked about this a lot from, you know, the first 15 minutes is I, I know that Willem Dafoe and Nicolas Cage from previous films that they've done, they really don't, and this is especially true for Cage, because he said so in interviews, he's not too picky about a whole film project. It's a character. Can I play that character? Would that be a, a, an interesting character to play? And that felt obvious to me, at least, it, it felt like that was at play with both of their performances. And um, I mean, that's that's not to take out uh, Christopher Matthew Cook's character of, of Diesel, but especially with Cage and Defoe, just because I've seen them in more stuff and I've seen them mm. do these like character-driven roles. Um, and I think I think Cook shows that he can totally pull this off too. Like, that oh was yeah, a great character. Um, but I could tell it. It felt like. Cage and Defoe are really having fun getting to experience these characters. Yeah, and you know, well, these I, like are two said, actors yeah. to me that never phone in a role, no matter what movie no. they're in. Like they're they're giving it one hundred and ten percent. Right. Like, I know people disagree about with me about Nick Cage and that sometimes, but I I really feel like I've seen I've seen a good handful of his movies, uh, not all of them, but. Um, I feel like he always gives what he feels is like his best to any role that he's given. So, well, uh, it, I, yeah, I agree. The same, yeah. And I think he said similar to that in an interview when, um, oh God, what is the film? I'm wearing the goddamn shirt. Um, Unbearable weight of massive talent came out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, that, that got him a lot of buzz again. And, I remember the interviewer saying, you know, a lot of people think you phoned it in because you've been in these kind of like low-budget, crappy, poorly-reviewed films. And he's like, no, I haven't given up at all. I'm, I'm choosing films that have characters that sound interesting to play. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that, is, that alone changed a lot of my perception of him, especially of the films he's done over the last like 15 years. Yeah, yeah, and give them a shot. And no, the movie might not be very good as a whole, but he's he's totally into the character that he was hired to play, and I, I gotta right. give respect to that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I, and, I would assume that that's like kind of like living the dream for a working actor. Like, if, right? Let's right, afford that's, to do that. Not worry about is this that. Yeah. <laughs> is this going to make box office bank? Is this going to be a smash hit? Am I going to get an action figure? He didn't care about right. that he cares about what he's doing as, as, a, as a, a performer as an actor as an artist so I, I give a lot of credit to both him and Willem Dafoe especially for that uh, in this one because I've seen you know Dafoe does the same thing he yeah, never absolutely he never goes half in on a roll so and, and what we, we, we've seen him in some stuff like even on the podcast uh, that like kind of seems below his grade at times and it's like the same criticism people make of Nick Cage like what are they doing in these movies and it's like well they're they found something interesting there because they're they're playing the hell out of it, whether the movie's good or not. Like I, I guess the one that comes to mind um, as uh, wasn't Willem Dafoe in Odd Thomas? Like he played like a, a odd, like a role. Yeah, um, yeah. I was trying to think of other like kind of B level movies we'd seen Willem Dafoe in, but yeah, it's uh, well, he always, you know, he plays these weird characters, but then he'll come back for another Spider-Man film. You know, like he still does mm-hmm. big films, and so does Cage. Yeah, you know, um, so oh, and it's, it's it, he, you know. I, I feel like Willem Dafoe's like kind of at the top of his game uh, with getting getting respect from you know mainstream movie critics at the same time as you know I guess I guess the same the same game Nick Nick Cage is playing he's he's still able to get that that those accolades while still you know yeah. having fun with his job so yeah. right. I I did want to mention and I. I told you this earlier but i didn't realize this was a paul schrader film until like 20 30 minutes before we sat down to record tonight uh um, ah, yeah and it makes so much more sense now 
But oh yeah, that's a Paul <laughs> yeah. Schrader film. Totally. It I mean, does have a it. lot of Paul Schrader trademarks. Um, yeah, yeah. But it, it's it, it's a little disjointed. There there are some really great editing, and then there's some really odd editing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I'm I'm a big fan of another Paul Schrader Nick Cage um, collaboration, and that's the Martin Scorsese directed movie Bringing Out the Dead, which is often considered among like the B list movies of Scorsese's. But I've always been a big fan of that one. Um, and yeah, that's that's a Paul Schrader script as well that I feel like has some elements of kind of it's just kind of like urban gritty feeling that this has. That, I don't know. So it leaves a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth at the end of the, uh, you know, with some of its realism. But um, yeah, that's a good one. I think that's a much that that is a better movie than this one. But I certainly see some of those same trademarks here. Yeah, but. yeah. Um, but no, this one actually kind of surprised me. Uh, and having no idea what it was about, all I knew is the the top two headlining performers, and I was like, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, um, I mean, that was enough to get me in the door, especially for, uh, I mean, it was a relatively, it wasn't like a super long movie, it was a relatively easy one yeah. to digest, so, um, what, 93 minutes long, so, yeah, not, no. just just those two as starring roles, I'm like, oh, I can't remember a whole lot of times I've seen them together, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure there are some, but if I think about it. A, but, another uh, film that this kept reminding me of, um... Again, it's the Nicolas Cage connection, uh, but just kind of a, I don't want to say low budget, but kind of low budget, simple like crime story uh, that he was in that nobody remembers him being in uh, was Kiss of Death with David Caruso. Ah, yeah, I don't know if I've seen it, but I, I came I out in like 96 or something like that, but yeah. Yeah, that was where where Cage is playing a really odd character. <laughs> like for he's like this bodybuilder gangster guy in it. It's it's kind of strange. Hmm. Um, but that yeah, this this reminded me of that in some ways too. I think just the fact that no, this wasn't a big box office smash or anything like that. I think I think it it came out in 2016. I don't think it played in most theaters. Yeah, I don't think it had a big theatrical. Thing. Like I, it debuted at Can in uh 2016 and then was released to video so yeah yeah but well do you have any final thoughts and yeah and i don't have one? a whole lot more um go ahead and do grades on this one i and uh i can start it off i guess i I feel like we were fairly complimentary towards this film which which i which i enjoy we've we've pointed out the good things about it but don't get me wrong this is not necessarily a great movie <laughs> it's uh, no. it, it certainly has a lot of problems and that number one being that nothing about what is going on in the movie is all that interesting um even uh besides besides the characters the characters are i mean that that's what you're here for and if, if you're good with a kind of a nitty-gritty character study of some ex-cons and in, in cleveland ohio i think you're you're going to get good performances and, and you know if you're into the actors the way I am or you're uh, you know fans of these guys um, it's certainly worth a watch but as kind of a, a casual like is it a good movie with a I, I'm not sure I would recommend it necessarily um, certainly not among the top tier of any of the performers or even Paul Schrader's work in my book although critical wise I it, it tends to fare pretty well or pretty like 50 50 yeah. um some people really got a kick out of it i feel like it's a little uneven uh i i feel like they were i know what he was going for with like the kind of you know the i'll call it the cagney epilogue and i really i really got a kick out of watching nick cage do it uh however i'm just with the rest of the the, the vibe of the film i felt like it was kind of kind of like all of a sudden you're like whoa am i watching the same movie like <laughs> uh kind of it, it's, it's a little off-putting um i don't know there's some stuff to like too so i don't want to want to ding it too hard um mainly christopher matthew cook being the the greatest surprise of this being holding his own with two hollywood greats and being kind of the distinguishing performance in this yeah. film which is which is cool um i think if i have to give it a grade i think i'm gonna land like right at a c like there's enough stuff 
here I think that you can really enjoy and, and dig into if you're a fan of, um, of of Schrader. The actors are just kind of gritty crime drama in general. Uh, but as a as an entirely movie, it is definitely imperfect. So mm-hmm. I would, uh, yeah, just land kind of middle of the road there. Um, nice. I'm, I'm probably going to be a little kinder to it. Uh, I, I thought that that ending scene, especially with like the, the case going Cagney, was really strange until I kind of sat down and thought about it and saw how, like I mentioned before, how all three of these guys kind of get taken out in the ways that they always expected to, mm. you know, or dreamt to in a way, or in some cases a nightmare. Um, you know, Cook's diesel going out in a cop car being chased down by police. I feel like that's something that character would have felt was inevitable. And him taking the cop car and being like, fuck it. You know, that's kind of demonstrable of that. Um, I think Mad Dog was being honest when he was talking to Diesel about, I just want to, I want closure. I want to be able to walk by the mirror and not see a piece of shit when I look at my reflection. Um, but there, there really isn't any redemption for that kind of erratic response to things that, that he, he's, he's shown so... You know him. Him dying where he did is kind of his hell, but mm-hmm. what he expected, and then Cage talking about you know yeah I would, you know love Cagney and love Bogart. And I look like Bogart. Everybody says I look like Bogart. <laughs> yeah, is is I a like great that. scene, um, and him going out in this kind of fantastical nineteen thirties style, you know, gangster film way, uh, it. So, like, you mentioned before, like, there's really not a lot of story. And I, I agree, but I think the the main story that they're trying to tell here is about these criminals and, like, and how they meet their end. And mm-hmm. it shows some success, like, okay, so they get out of prison, they can barely get through one of these types of heists, and they're reluctant about the second one, and that's, that's kind of the one I think they all know is going to bring them down they're arguing about whether to do it so i don't know i've actually felt like it was there's a there's more story here than it appears but if you have to really get your audiences to think about it that hard that that's kind of cliche and pretentious in and of itself so it's not put together in a way to tell that story that's as accessible as maybe it could be but i notice this a lot in, in paul schrader films yeah like he has an odd way of telling a story that doesn't really it's not very efficient and it it doesn't really add to a lot. So I I agree with with some of the 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 nicks off of it. Uh, you know I think some of the editing is great. Some of it's bizarre, but it's also very Schrader. So I'm gonna give this one like a B minus. It I liked it more than I expected to. Um, but yeah, definitely has some flaws. But it's kind of an interesting approach to looking at at the different kind of archetypes of, of criminals in, in film. So, yeah. I actually kind of enjoyed it overall. But, but we also would love to know what any of our listeners think of Dog Eat Dog, which, by the way, is available for streaming on Tubi. Uh, feel free to send any of those questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms to the Video Junk Air Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Video Junk Pod or our main Facebook and Instagram Video Junk Air Podcast pages. If you write it, we'll read it, and we look forward to hearing from you. And we hope you come back and join us here on the Video Junkyard Podcast for lots more good stuff. Uh, We're going to be watching City of God, Dolls, Wayne's World, The Relic, and lots of other good stuff coming up in the next month or two. Um, So make sure you come back and join us for those, or check out any of our other um, 200-plus episodes uh, on our SoundCloud page or wherever you get podcasts. Um, Or if you have a movie that you think we need to review, feel free to drop us a line and let us know what it is, and we'll be happy to take a look at your favorite forgotten uh, treasure or forgotten movie. So That's right. We want to thank you once again for listening to the Video Junker Podcast and hope you will join us for future episodes. But until then, I'm Joe Peterson. And I'm Miracle Branson. Have a good evening. There's a gig and there's a lot of money at the end. Run away to Hawaii. It never works out. I think it does sometimes. You just don't know about it because they run off to Hawaii and you don't ever hear from them again.
You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend You just can't let them go. Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast all one word want to thank you again for listening and keep digging who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard <laughs>